we're not strong enough, God would say, rest in my strength. If you're struggling in these areas, then we invite you to receive these statements as truth today. Truth that comes from the Father's heart. Truth that connects you to his heart. Truth that builds a platform for his work in your life. Some here today are confused. Not sure which way your path is going. God says, trust me. I am the light to your path. My word is a lamp to your feet. A couple of people here that feel distant from God. They feel like he is far away, that he is unreachable, unattainable, just cannot sense how near he is to them. If that's you today, God would say, that declaring this truth in your life will break down the wall that keeps you from him. That the wall that's been made up of lies will be dismantled as you declare truth and scripture in your life. God will bring the wall down and draw you into his presence. For those that say, I don't have enough, God says, I have more than enough for you. Trust me. For those of you that believe you're not good enough, God would say, hey, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're a child of the king. If you question yourself and not sure if you deserve God's blessings, the word of God shows us that we don't earn his grace, it's given to us freely as a gift. That we're not worthy except for Jesus Christ and what he did for us. When we trust Jesus, God accepts us. And we are washed white as snow, righteous and redeemed before the Father of all, loved by him. This morning we want to center on the love of God and the presence of God. We want to come into the place of surrender where we receive from him, that we would go out of this place different than what we came in. Almighty God in heaven, we thank you that you have prepared this moment for us, knowing who would be here and knowing each of the needs that come. We bring our lives before you as an offering of sacrifice. We surrender before you, God. Humbling ourselves in order that you would lift us up in your grace and your sufficiency. God, as we declare these truths today, we ask that they would take root in our heart as good seeds. And that as we trust you, as we read your word, and as we spend time with you, that your Holy Spirit would nurture those seeds of truth, that they would bear fruit in our lives. We thank you that you're a good father to every one of us, drawing us nearer. We thank you for the blessings in our life, the family that we surround us, and the promises that are ahead of us. Amen. 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 Amen.
This morning, I had a simple objective, uh, which has pretty much already been served. And that was to make room this morning in, in our time that we would find a place of, of humble surrender. It was, um, it was on my heart as I was preparing for this morning. Nikita sent me a message saying the same thing, and so we've been sort of bouncing backwards and forwards, making sure that we could do our best to serve God's purpose, but knowing that it's only him that can do his work in that place. So I pray that you find that place of surrender this morning. And and don't be alarmed when I use the word surrender. I mean, that should be the natural response of a disciple of Jesus. So that shouldn't be alarming. Well, it may be alarming, but it shouldn't be surprising. There is Jesus who said, if you want to gain your life, you must lose your life. To be a life, a follower of Jesus Christ is one of just ongoing surrender. And I wonder... I wonder if there's a specific area that God's got on his heart for you today. And I want to start by us, you, individually asking God a question around that. And I want to do it before we get into the word because I'm wondering if God wants to bring you a revelation before we even start. Before I lead you in that process, I'll just uh, begin to share a personal testimony. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Mel came and brought a communion word, a message for us, and as she led us before the cross of Jesus Christ, and we contemplated what he's done for every single one of us, Mel encouraged each of us to ask Jesus a question. And I can't quite remember exact wording, but it was, you know, which area of our lives needs his help? Well, while I can't remember her words, I can clearly remember the words Jesus said to me. The words of Jesus are always pivotal. They're always perfect in timing, and I have a sense that this morning, the pivotal, perfect timing of Jesus is here for you as you would ask him this question. So, if you want to, repeat after me. Jesus, which area of my life needs more surrender for us to progress together? I often find Jesus doesn't delay in what he wants to say to us. If you heard something, if there's a sense that you've got, or maybe he's reminding of something he's already shown you or said to you, then I'd urge you to make a note of that somewhere to capture it on your phone or put it in your notebook. If you don't have a notebook or a phone, scratch it on your arm with a fingernail. Because this morning, um, we're going to look at our mission, our life of mission in Christ Every aspect is, is, is part of that mission, but I just want to focus on two areas this morning, and, and I wonder what your response to is, uh, your response to mission is. And so there's a little bit of a cheesy video for us to have a look at, I'll make sure the sound's up, and we'll um, see what these guys say about mission. Jesus said, go to all the wood, but where I am from, we clean up our own backyard before we worry about someone else. I hate it when my pastor talks about missions all the time. I don't have heart for mission. I can't even write my Facebook, iPhone, Starbucks. Hold on a second, I got a text. My own bed. 
Air conditioning. Headshot. <laughs> My cell phone provider does not have caverns there. Wow. You go to a place like Haiti, that must be very scary. <laughs> Because Christ stepped in now, people in this community begin to live. As you are blessed, you bless others as well. What I like about that video when I watched it is that I feel like as many things, it stands before us kind of like a mirror. And what it does is it reflects back to us a message based on our perceptions. I mean, as is the case with any mirror... What you see in a reflection is based on the filter that you look through. So if I have a healthy self-concept and I look through that filter of a healthy concept, then what I see back is true. If I have an unhealthy self-concept, a dislike for myself or a part of me, and I look through that filter, then what I see back is based on on my perception, relative reality. But there's a part of my thinking that's not healthy, it reflects what I see, and the question for you in response to that video is, what did you see? Because you're looking through a filter. Could be healthy, could be unhealthy, I don't know. What did you see when you watched the video? The, the people from Africa are making excuses about mission. Perhaps you might have thought it was a bit of mockery and maybe they were making fun of you or someone else. Some people, when we talk about missions, they begin to feel guilty or they listen to condemnation as a message in their head. Others, I know, get excited because they come and talk to me about it afterwards. So the point of the exercise is not so much the video, but what it highlights as you consider the filters that you look through and that you listen through. My recommendation when recognizing filters, it was always to go back to ask Jesus, what does he think? Because his truth trumps ours. Capital T truth always trumps little t truth. So let's go back to my testimony about my response to the question that Mel led us to in communion a couple of weeks ago. She said, you know, let's come before Jesus and ask him, what is it that you need? And so I did. I asked Jesus. In that moment, as I'm contemplating communion, what is it that I need? And he said to me, you need more faith. I was a little surprised. I mean, I could have reacted with a filter. says, well, hang on, I'm pastor. I'll lead the people of the church. And no way, man, I'm in faith. I'm already in faith. I've got enough faith. I've got, I've got enough challenges to deal with. Or, or I, mean, you know, I could have had this reaction where I shrunk back a little bit. Because in the same way, when you ask God for patience, if you ask him for faith, you know it's coming, right? I could have shrunk back, afraid of the price that I've got to pay to find faith. But as I've said to you, the best response in that moment is to ask Jesus what he thinks. So since then, Jesus and I have been talking about that. We've been hanging out, we've been chatting, and, and, and my challenge, and it is a challenge, is to surrender what I think, in order to receive what he thinks. Because you can't have both. So I'm reflecting on the challenges I'm facing in leadership and life, and I'm realizing the answer to my challenges is 
more faith. Jesus and I are going to go on a journey on this one, and you can watch from those seats if you'd like. Why do I tell you this? Well, this morning, I believe that God, our Father, wants to lead us all to a place of surrender before him. We've had a fantastic moment of that during the time of worship, and there was some prophetic stuff that that was declared over us. I hope you received that. I'm excited that God wants you all to surrender. I wonder if you are. (laughs) So today I want to speak about mission and two aspects of our life in mission. And the title of my message, for those that like to write the title down in their notes, is Go in Faith and Sow in Faith. This morning we're going to challenge ourselves on some of the practical aspects of serving the mission of Christ. And I'm not talking about you sitting in a rice field with soggy shoes. I'm talking about our mission, being on mission, because life with Jesus is always mission. Recently, just uh, the week before this last one, I had a a coffee uh, out here with a a couple from the church, and we sat down and we were chatting, and they, they pleaded, and they petitioned me that we would, as a church, increase our focus on local missions and outreach into the community. So, of course, I thank them for volunteering, as I do. And I'm happy to say that next year there will be more opportunities, more outreach, more impact in the community because we're all on mission. This month, November, we speak about faith commitments in this church. This is a normal aspect of life as a disciple to be living a life of faith, but more than that, giving financial control over to Jesus is supposed to be the way it is as a disciple of Jesus. So this month, today, and maybe one more week, we're going to fill in faith commitment cards if you're a part of this family, and I'm inviting you to make a partnership in faith with him. So today I thought, well, I'll speak about faith. I want to talk about go in faith, and I want to talk about sow in faith. Let's talk about go. As I do, I often will reflect on the messages in a series because I'm trying to make sure there's continuity, that we're we're linking what we're sharing with people and that it actually makes sense. So I was reading my notes this week on on another message that we're, we're in the series called Engaged in Purpose, if you're not sure of that. And there was a message, it's on the app, it's called Intentional Purpose. And as I was reading the notes, I was really inspired. It was very good. You should listen to it. It was about the life of Daniel, and I'm not going to go over the content now, but I do want to highlight a couple of things. But grab a cup of tea, grab your device, get the app, and listen to the message called Intentional Purpose. It's very practical, and even on the device, you can look at the slides. You can pull them up, and there's images there for you to look at. But in that life, we looked at the life of Daniel and the influence that he had on a nation. Not his nation, a nation. So the key point for Go on Faith is that your mission is to influence in the sphere God has planted you. You are planted somewhere, and God wants you to influence where you're planted. Daniel was captured as a young boy from Jerusalem. He was a young Jewish boy and taken off to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. He was raised in the ways of Babylon. He was tutored and trained in all things and wisdom. Everywhere he went, he was an influence. He was an influence in the house of Potiphar. You can read about that, the story of him, not, not, not Potiphar, but he was, he, was influenced, he was an influence wherever he went in working with others. He was an influence before the king, and, and as you'll listen to the message, he was used by God because he was willing to submit himself before God. 
So what I'm saying to you is that we must place ourselves and be the difference that God wants wherever it is we are. So we're, we're working on that this month. Um, we've been running a, a, what we call November Night School, and we've called it Destined to Win. Tonight's going to be the final session for that. And tonight we're going to help clarify why God planted people and where he planted people. We've prepared something that's going to take special care to lead people through a discovery process which will help them see their destiny. And I'm really excited about that. But let's look at Daniel. Because Daniel, Daniel was a man in the Bible who, who really worked hard to, to find what God had for him. And if you, if, you look at the, if you look at the message and you look at the slides, not these slides because they're not working, but um, if, you, if you look at the story, and I, I encourage you this week, even if you don't listen to the message, read the first six chapters of Daniel. And you'll see he was led by God to a place that he didn't choose, but there he stayed. When he was there, he was set apart. There was favor on his life because of his faithfulness. He was one of many, but he stands out before the king. You'll see that Daniel experienced the favor of God as he was faithful to God. So consider this. Daniel's promoted to be the prime minister of the land. He goes without nothing. He lacks nothing. He has anything he wants at his disposal. He issues a command, and it is done as he commands. That's influence and favor. But what I also want you to see as you read the story is Daniel was submitted to God and faithful and obedient to God. He didn't let his success take him away, distract him from what God was asking him to do. And if you read the story, you'll see there was several challenges in that. But the key outcome of our mission must be to bring influence. It must be to influence the place that we're at. So don't don't speak. God has a plan. God is the author of your life, and as I post on Facebook, you say, God didn't write a sob story. Your life is not a sob story. It's supposed to be a life of adventure. It's supposed to be an adventure story with you as the hero, partnering with God, and, and sometimes I think we sit back and we wonder why our life isn't working out, and actually it's because God's encouraging us in something we don't want to hear. So, so my role, our role as church leaders is to raise up, to equip, and to mobilize people to get into their purpose for life, their destiny. And that's what the November night school's been about. It's what these messages have been all about. You see, this gathering here, this is just the training ground. Real life starts when you leave here, and real life is the impact. So I'm going to show you a concept uh, shortly called the Seven Mountains of Culture. And uh, this is a, a, a revelation that came, it was birthed, in the 1970s, early 1970s, by two men who had a revelation that they believed came from God. One of those men was Lauren Cunningham, who is the founder of YWAM, International Youth with a Mission uh, Ministry. And in the 70s, he was forming that, and he asked God a simple question. God, how do I live out the great commission of Jesus Christ? To go into the world, make disciples of nations. And God showed him this revelation. But what Lauren didn't know is at the same time, another guy in another part of the country, a guy called Bill Bright, 
who was the founder of Campus Crusades for Christ, was setting up a university outreach in one of the universities in America, and he asked God the same question. He says, God, in reaching these young people is my assignment, but how do we empower them and mobilize them to live out the Great Commission of Jesus Christ, to go into the world and make disciples of nations? And God gave him a revelation that you're about to see. Well, these two men happened to be at the same conference in 1974, and they were sharing what God put on their heart, and they looked at each other and realized they were telling the same story. They literally had the same revelation independently, and it came together, and what we see is this. The revelation is that the world is made up of seven kingdoms, or um, I think it was Bill Bright that said the seven mind molders or ways of thinking uh, Another friend of mine who teaches this, um, Lance Walnow, he, see, he calls them seven spheres of influence that we operate in. And the seven f- spheres of society are family, church, business, government, education, arts, and media. We're going to unpack this a lot more this afternoon in the night school. But the, the concept is this of the revelation, is that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord through you. So each one of us, as we operate in a sphere, have a responsibility, a mandate, an assignment from God to be influential in the area or the sphere that we're planted in, in order that God's kingdom would come through us. So if you're involved in family, that's your mountain, start claiming it. If you're involved in education, that's your mountain, start claiming it. Because until the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord, Our assignment's not over. We each participate in this, you know, for the sake of our nation. We need godly men and women involved in government who will influence godly decisions in order that this nation will be one for Jesus Christ and not led down the garden path in the wrong direction. For the sake of our children, for the sake of the future of this nation, we need men and women with godly influence in our schools and the education system, making, informing, advising godly wisdom in order that decisions would be shaped around education that would Elevate our children into a platform where the kingdom of God can come. Media. Who knows we need godly men and women in the media industry. We need men and women, mums and dads, aunties and uncles, grandparents, that will release godly wisdom into families. That the lies that are destroying and breaking down families would be dispelled. Don't look at me. Look at the people around you. That's our assignment. As we understand the goal of going, the goal of mission is always influence. Wherever you are, if you're in school, influence the school. If you're in the community, influence the community. You've all got neighbors. You've all got family. Your goal is influence. And we we must continue to serve that purpose wherever we are in the season we're in. What I thought I'd do is I'd give you a little snapshot of what we're doing uh, as a family. So you don't need to read this. You don't need to, well, you can take a photo of it if you want. But what are we doing for local missions in Te Aumuru and Waipa? A lot of what we do is done through our community trust, which is, is kind of a, a, a communal trust for, for Te Aumuru. Loving Arms is great work happening there with young mums and mothers in arms just started. Whareora is in the primary school. 
uh, Te Aumuru Primary, hopefully more in the future. We've got a youth mentoring program starting. Search for Love is about to launch. There's a whole lot of stuff you can see up there. And there's a few at the end of the list that I added as a, like a, I hope this could happen. The point is, there's plenty of opportunities to get involved. And I wonder what God is putting on your heart to call you into a place of serving others outside of the church. Because that's what local missions is. I sat down as I was writing this list and I thought, well, what are we doing overseas? Because you hear me talk about overseas missions. I show you the photos. We send people away and they come back different, but uh, that's the goal. So we have a, a large part of work that we do in Indonesia. We have a, another a bunch of work that we do in India at the moment. We support families who are supporting missions. We support church planning initiatives. Vision Churches International was Nick Klinkenberg and the work he's doing in planning churches in Europe. We're helping sponsor a Bible school student. We're doing church planning. And then at the end, I've, I've added a few that I'd like to see. One of those being an international ministry school. As you look at that list, I wonder what God is stirring you for. What is God putting on your heart for serving other people? We've got to go in faith. And so when I, when I say this, I'm, I'm meaning you know, our mission is to influence wherever God plants us. Some that is literally in a rice field with soggy shoes. But for most of us, it's here, playing our part. We must go in faith, and we must also sow in faith. So as I was preparing this message, um, I felt really clearly led towards the in faith part. I felt that God was saying to me as I was preparing that we've got to focus our attention on the concept of faith. And the truth is, if we can teach faith, if it's possible to activate faith, then surely the fruit of that faith will be lives transformed. Anything is possible. My, my friend in Adelaide, Pastor Mike, who alongside his wife Anne, they're the ones that co-founded Hope Village. We were with them recently, and he said to me, he says, if you can teach faith, your missions program is successful. Success in the missions field, whether it's local or overseas, is always based on faith in the people. So I'm going to take some time to speak about faith and I hope you take some time to listen about faith. We'll see what God wants to do as he speaks to you. So as I was preparing this, I was thinking about the people in Israel, uh, on the way to Israel. The Israelites, they're not called the Israelites yet, but they're the people of God. They're in Egypt. They're in bondage and captivity. And God promised that he would lead them out of that place, but 400 years they're in slavery. Finally, through one man's faith and a few other people's obedience, and God's power, they're set free out of Egypt. And they take the gold, and they trot away, ready to make a quick journey to the new place of promise that God's got for them. They find themselves, pretty shortly after this, um, against a coastline, the Red Sea. Lots of water, and none of them have the ability to walk on water, so they don't have a pathway. And then they hear the rumble. They hear the rumble of the chariots. They hear the rumble of the army running towards them. The Egyptians have changed their mind and they're chasing after them. Does that sound like a safe place to be? That's a question. You can answer it. The army is rushing. 
They've got no place to go. And here's what I would say. Faith is a safe place. You read the story. You read how Moses prayed. You read what God asked him to do. It's ridiculous. Really? Especially if you're a practical person or a logical person. But Moses had learned that faith is a safe place. So he raises his staff. He's obedient to God and the sea parts and they walk through. We also need to know that faith is action and obedience. If Moses hadn't responded to the prompting of God to lift the staff and to pray, they would have been destroyed on the coast. Faith always requires action that is obedience to what God is saying. It's the gateway into the promise. Faith is always connected to mission, journey, progress. We can't do the journey in progress without faith. So we've got to develop faith to go on a journey with God, and that's what I want to talk about today. So think about those people against the Red Sea. They were in a problem. They had a promise, and God said, go. And so faith is a safe place. Faith is always action as a result of obedience, is action and obedience. And thirdly, faith is connected to mission. So what does this mean when we look at Israel into the promise? Let's have a look. I want to pick up the story in Exodus 16. So if you've got a Bible, let's turn to Exodus 16. Actually, have we got a running mic? Let's get a volunteer to read the first three verses. Verses 1, 2, and 3. Who would like to read Exodus 16, verses 1, 2, and 3? Everyone's looking at the floor. Oh, okay, well, you can't read if you don't have a Bible. Exodus 16, verses 1, 2, and 3. Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin, between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted, but now you have brought to us, you've brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. Wow. Sometimes the first stage of our growing in faith sounds like whining, complaining. We're in the middle of a challenge and a problem, and all we can focus on is the problem, so we complain. And we complain so much, we put so much energy into our whining that we don't look up and see the provision. But we've got to, we've got to honor that. We've got to own that. We've got to step into that because I'm sure, I'm sure God's grinning as a father would. He's shaking his head as, as my father used to, not condemning or judging, but just going, oh my goodness. He, if he, if he possibly could face palm, I'm not sure, but we're the one complaining. We're the one looking at the problem because we're not looking at the provision that he's got for us. Let's find a different volunteer who would like to read verse 4 of Exodus 16. We've got a few of these, so don't be shy in volunteering. Here we go. Then the Lord said to Moses, 
Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. So, the people are whining and complaining, and God says, hey, I'm going to rain down food from heaven. And the people go, well, we haven't seen that before. Well, what if we don't like it? Like, will it be gluten-free? Like, I'm not quite sure. Like, uh, what time of the day will it come? Seriously, are you hearing yourself? I'm not judging. I'm having fun here. Developing faith is a journey. Often we whine more than we listen. Forty years, six days a week, God rains down food from heaven. Manna and quail. Miraculous, supernatural provision. The people did not starve. The people did not um, want for anything. Not even KFC. They had quail. Turn up. No problems. God will always provide. But this is, this is we've got to look at this and, and laugh at ourselves and go, oh, this is part of us developing our faith. And here's, here's my point in saying that. We must learn to trust God. It doesn't happen automatically. This is how faith develops, is through experience, through a challenge or a problem. God knew his people were going to need faith, and so he said, well, I will prepare them. He took them to the desert. They had no food, and he says, look, I'll teach them to trust me, and in trusting me, their faith will grow. See, God sees the end of the journey. He knows they're going to need much, much stronger faith, and we'll get to that in a minute. But you've got to grow your faith in order for the future victory that you're going to have. What does it mean for you? Maybe you're at the beginning of learning how to trust God. I don't know what what part of the journey you're on. Maybe you're still um, learning how to trust God with your finances when it comes to sowing into missions. Perhaps, you know, you look at a faith commitment card, which we'll give out later, and, and you're not sure how much you can stretch in faith. It's okay. All God asks is that you act in obedience. Faith is action in obedience. As you're obedient then your faith grows. So the first thing we see in the developing faith of the people walking into the promise is that they must learn to trust God. But please don't miss God's part in that. God is always willing to help us to grow in faith. It's not something we do alone. The people walk and wander 40 years in the desert. Somehow their shoes don't wear out. Miraculously, manner and quail, every day, six days a week, 40 years, a few challenges. But at the end of that journey, Moses hears from God. And I want to have a look at what God says to Moses because it's the second thing we need to learn this morning about growing in faith. God shows Moses the view. Unfortunately, Moses doesn't get to walk in it, but he shows him the view. And he says, now is the time to cross into the promise. Let's have a look at what God says in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9. Thank you, Teresa. Only, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. 
See, what God's showing Moses and he's showing us is that the journey is supposed to be learning for us and for our children in order that we would all grow in our faith. So, so this plays out later when Joshua is leading the people. Let's have a look and see in um, Joshua chapter 4 what Joshua does. So let's find Joshua chapter 4 and then the volunteer would like to read the first three verses. Who's going to volunteer? There we go. Excellent. Thank you. Joshua chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and to carry over... The Carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. Thank you. Right, who else would like to read verses 6 and 7? Here we go. Thank you. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the river Jordan stopped flying when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Thank you. The key here in developing our faith is to establish memorials that remind us of the faithfulness of God. We've got to have things in our life that spark us into faith when we go, oh, that's right, remember that time when God did that. The memorial stones, if you study the principle theologically, they do three things from the story. I won't go into details, but number one, they remind people of the personal journey they went through. Secondly, they build a testimony with the children so that the children will grow up in faith. And thirdly, they show the whole world that God is almighty. Joshua 4 verse 24 says, He did all this so the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful so that you might fear the Lord your God forever. So what what I'm saying is we should have stories in our life that testify to God's goodness. These become what I call a prophetic testimony to what we believe God can do again. That's how faith grows. We believe in this church, we do it often, we, we believe that giving a testimony to the healing power of Jesus Christ releases a prophetic um, atmosphere where faith rises for other people to also be healed. And we've seen it happen. Revelation verse, um, chapter 19 says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Well, in the same way, these monuments that we build in our life are testimony to what God has done and what God will do. That's how our faith grows. So you know what I think? You should get new faith stories in your life. Okay. Four people are excited about that. Last week, Kathy was teaching, and and I I love the way that she talked about this. You know, we want to get new stories. We want to have new faith. We don't want to live on the, 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 our laurels of the past or the accolades or the, you know, the black and white photos of when we used to be awesome. You know, we want to have new faith stories, current faith stories. We want to be on a journey. We want to build monuments to that. 
Get new faith stories in your life. Finally, I want to look at the story of Jericho. In Joshua chapter 6, we read about the people of God beginning to possess the promise. And they, they've been believing, they've been walking, and now they're in the land and God brings them to Jericho. So Joshua chapter 6, verses 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> Kathy just got voluntold. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all of the armed men. Do this for six days. Okay. So what do we know about Jericho? Well, we know that Jericho is heavily fortified city on a hill. So it's high up above the people, and it's got these really high walls and really thick walls. So too hard to break into and break through. We also know from Rahab that the people inside the city are scared. They've heard about these people, and they've heard what God has done, and they're afraid. They're hiding. We know they're not coming out, but we also know that God has a plan. So as we just heard, God's plan is for the mighty fighting forces of Israel to launch an attack and to take the city. Is that right? No, God has a different plan because God is building faith in his people. So let's have someone else read verses 4 and 5. Who's going to volunteer? Here we go. Francois. Have seven priests carry trumpets and ram's horns in front of the ark. On their seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the, the trumpets. When you hear the sound, a long blast of the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up everywhere, um, everyone straight in. Well, so this is God's plan. Walk around the city in silence. Keep the weapons of war unused. You're seriously just going to let the musicians take charge of this? Like, I like music, but... We're going to wait and see. That's your plan. That's the plan of God. This is, a, this is an army. This is like a couple of million people. They've got a huge army that have already overtaken kings that oppose God. Moses and Joshua have already led the people in battle many times and seen God's victory. But what are we going to see here? What is God doing? Why is this different? Well, as you might guess, God is teaching the people of God, including us, a lesson, an important lesson about faith. And here is the lesson. Faith comes through humility. The way you grow faith is through humility. Please listen very, very carefully to what I'm about to say. Your breakthrough does not come by your strength. Your faith is not made perfect by your activity. The testimony of God's faithfulness only comes when you surrender to Him. Faith comes through humility. 
The way we grow in faith is to trust God. The way we trust God is to let go of control. This is the place of surrender that God's prepared for every single one of us. Our faith develops when we choose humility. I wonder if the uh, host could hand out the faith cards just to make sure that everyone's got one in front of them. Can we have a group of people to do that? Jamie's helping with that. As a church family, we believe God's called us to sow in faith. And what this means is it means coming to a place of surrender and to ask God to lead us in what we're to do with missions. God asks us to give in faith above regular, weekly giving, tithes or offerings, whatever you call them. In this church, family missions giving is faith giving. So we're going to get the host team to hand out what we call faith commitment cards. If you're a guest here, um, then you can have one to look at, but there's no, no pressure on anyone here. What we are asking is for you to complete these cards in faith. We'll be praying for you as we do. So as we give them out, people will have a look at them. You'll see that there's a place for you to fill them in and complete them, including your name. Now, the reason we're doing that is so that we can have a list of people that we pray for each year. So I'm going to make sure the prayer team is praying for the faith partners. This is done really discreetly. There's no personal connection between numbers and names. There's the office staff take care of that. So it's very private. This is a faith pledge that you make with God. It's partnership with Him. The, the, the total of all our faith pledges helps us to set our missions budget for 2018. And then every month we pray and hope and believe that God is working with the families in order for that faith commitment to be honored. I believe personally that God will bless you as you give him faith. Let me be quite clear, we're not asking you or expecting you to put your family or your personal situation at risk. It's about faith. Like I said before, you can't grow your faith through your own effort. It's always done by trusting and submitting to God. If you trust God, my testimony is that he will surprise you with the ability to give generously. So I'm going to play a video. It's a music video. There's words on the screen, but I'm creating a space where you could prayerfully consider what God is asking you to do. We've come to the close of our Faith Commitment Month and, and Engaged in Purpose. Next week, we're going to launch Vision for next year. But this is the moment where you fill the forms in. This is the moment where you put your name on them. I apologize if the cards are hard to write on. That's my fault for printing them the wrong side. But like I said, scratch your name on there if you have to. This is the moment where faith is developed. If you need a pen, wave at Ashley. She's got a bunch of them. Let's play this video. The faith, then I'll pray. Go in faith is about each one of us influencing the sphere God's planted us in. Wherever you are, your role is to bring the love of Jesus Christ. And talking about faith, I hope you heard today that Faith is a safe place. Faith is action and obedience. 
and faith is connected to mission. Faith grows when we are obedient. As I close the meeting, I'm going to pray for you and that faith would be a gift that God brings to your family. Uh, If you want to fill the cards in, then as you can see, you can place them in there and we'll get the office staff to process them during the week. Let me pray. Almighty God, we, we surrender ourselves again before you. We know that we cannot do life in our own strength. We just don't have enough to carry out the assignment you've got for us. So God, we humble ourselves before you. God, we ask that you'd release here the faith, the gift of faith that each one of us If we want it, we just got to ask for it. It's here now. God, faith to respond in obedience, faith to partner with you, faith to see lives changed here and overseas through our missions program. God, faith that each one of us would know we are called by you, positioned by you, and blessed with an assignment that you've prepared for us personally. So God, as each one goes, I pray a blessing over their lives, over their family, their work, and their household, that each family connected with our church would know the grace of Jesus Christ and the extravagant abundance that it brings us into. God, may each home be filled with love, love that flows out of the Father heart of God, Love that has no judgment or condemnation, but love that builds people up, establishes them in a safe place. God, would every family know the nearness of the Holy Spirit that comes to dwell with us, to guide us, to counsel us, to lead us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in our lives each day, every day, as we partner in life with you. 